0: everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and all the way from Brazil, Mr. Daniel Arnelas. What's going on,
1: Daniel? <laughs> hey, man, Jason. How's it going? <laughs> Sounds like I'm a Brazilian man when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you, is, that a, is that a Brazilian accent you have there?
1: Not really. <laughs> it's lovely. German? German. <laughs> it's Brazilian slash South African at the moment
0: Chris uh, what was the movie where the guys like I think they'd like to get the girl you should you should say something in a beautiful language tell her you love her in like French or something and so he picks like German and it's like hunting ha! Like, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> that's a big fail right there <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no offense to our German friends
1: no, not not at all. There's some <laughs> languages that are better. Like Afrikaans is from South Africa and there's a lot of uh, interesting inflections in that as well. Well it's, so it's, it's like really good du- cool. it's like Dutch, right? Yeah, it's like Dutch, so there's, but there's more <laughs> in the in the language, which yeah. is cool, but it's just different.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, I, I remember when I was in South Africa, the uh the what's the what's the one that has the clicks in it?
1: That's Kosa.
0: Yeah, where I was like talking to someone and she's like, My name is not Naky and I was like
1: what? <laughs> so check this out if, if, if it's actually the X's in the language there's an X I have a friend that takes Xanax to sleep and uh, and so we joke about it because it's X and, uh, and obviously in Tosa the X it makes a click sound so we say he's going to take a connect before bed <laughs> that's awesome well hey man how, how, how have you been what's, what's going on in your life it's really good, man. I'm, I spend my days lonely in a hotel room <laughs> it, because it's pretty rainy and not that safe to run around in some parts we've been in. Uh, I did go for a walk today out here. It's pretty cool. Uh, they have all the cobblestones like they do in Portugal. Uh, and then obviously there's, I mean, it's a pretty city. I'm, I guess I'm in a city called, uh, let me work it out again what it was. I'm in a city called Curitiba. And we just came from São Paulo, but Curitiba is really co- a cool little city. It's got amazing gardens and a lot of history. Uh, it's a pretty cool place. It feels like there's uh, obviously like a th- kind of third world in elements. So it feels a lot like parts of South Africa that we grew up in and my dad pastored churches in. Uh, and you've, there's a sense of more uh, kind of people seem a little bit more um, just, it's just a harder life, you know, I make mean, it's a little bit more desperate as far as uh, things go as far as like earning money and all that kind of stuff. But it's, there's a lot of community. that people are super friendly, uh, and it's just really interesting to see, you know, when, when you don't have all the stuff, how much people kind of connect with each other more. Yeah, you know, it's, interesting.
0: It's it's weird how people can still be happy when they don't have like Facebook or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. I I know. I'd be much happier.
1: I think they do have Facebook. They don't have like really expensive clothes, but they all have Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's that's that makes well then I'm I'm very much like our Brazilian friends
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my gosh so I'm, what have you been up to Jason
0: oh man it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting I got to, I gotta tell you this, I was at a memorial service yesterday it was beautiful uh, my, uh, my my pastor's father passed away and um he from uh, and it just it was awesome it was just this thing celebrating his life but in the middle of the memorial service I'm sitting in the back and all of a sudden I look to my right. And this lady just starts going, help, help, help. Like while well, the person up on the stage is is sharing about like her, you know, her father-in-law. And uh, I look over and the lady next to her, her eyes are in the back of her head and she just falls over. Oh my goodness. So it's so <laughs> it's like- ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, so which is just, this is not the place for this to happen, right? Exactly. So, they, so the person up front can't tell what's going on. So she just kind of stops. We start gathering around. I go to call 911. And I, and I grabbed my phone and, like, my, my stupid iPhone won't unlock with my fingerprint for whatever reason. I'm like, my – That is crazy. It's like my iPhone choked in the moment. Jeez. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, so, and so all these people start gathering around and a guy immediately, like, runs. It was like he was waiting his whole life for this moment. Like, he's like, I know how to use the paddles. And he goes running oh into the back. And so there's still – nobody knows what's going on. There's, like, a group of people around. And this guy comes running back. And our, our uh, my friend Hannah, she comes, she's back, she's a nurse, so she comes back to just see what's going on. And like this lady's laying on now is laying on the ground. This guy's coming in with the paddles, the pastor she goes looks at the the woman talking and goes, just keep going. Just keep going. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> I know I'm like, I don't know, maybe give her five minutes. Maybe just say, why don't we all take a breath? We have somebody down in the back, like everybody just chill. He's like, if you're comfortable, just keep going.
1: So, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not even like a football game where someone gets hurt and everyone takes a knee.
0: No, no, it's like, it keep going. And then, and then, so the guy comes back with these paddles and it's like, I guess when you start it, it like, it starts talking to you to tell you what to do. Right. So it's like, oh my goodness, man, lay, lay the patient down, you know? And so the, the guy's in there and it's loud. Right. So once again, <laughs> no one can tell what's going on. The thing gets all the way to like, remove the patient's clothes.
1: <laughs> oh my God!
0: And and Hannah steps in and she's like, "Stop! Stop!" She's breathing and has a pulse. Don't shock her. <laughs> oh my God! <gosh. laughs> so so finally, so the, so the so the woman sits up. The poor, poor is on the stage and she's just like she's just like, hold it down. It's just like. So anyway, so my father,
1: she's just like, oh my goodness, just makes man. it
0: through her whole thing. Meanwhile, they like get this woman out. She stands up on her own and everything. But then they don't even say anything. Like I was there, I saw it. But it's a big church, and so, and so they don't even say at any point during the service, like, hey, she's okay.
1: They just basically like <laughs> carry this lady out and, and like keep going oh my gosh man bro that sounds like full Saturday Night live to me
0: oh yeah that is exactly what it felt like it, it was and you're and you know you're sitting there you're at a memorial service it's like somber and it's, it's beautiful and and uh Dwayne's life was um, incredible but it was just it was just like wow that was that was eventful
1: that is crazy man dude I've got some stories <laughs> <laughs> of course you do my- my dad was praying for a lady in church and we were in like a pentecostal church back in the day my dad's church and and she like people would fall over when you prayed for them you know what i mean (laughs) i know where this is going (laughs) so the lady fell over and then they would lie there for as long as they wanted to and eventually get up you know (laughs) this lady just never got up and then eventually my dad went over and checked on her and she she died and so he tried to raise her from the dead for a while he said Sister Dolores come forth come forth and like after about 10-15 minutes he said I think she's happy where she is and then they called they called the ambulance and they came out took her away insane oh
0: man oh yeah The, the funny thing is like This is not the first time this has happened to me. Like when I was a kid, I saw, I I was looking right at a guy. Like I wasn't paying attention to the service because I was a kid. I looked and I totally saw a guy just slump forward, (laughs) like go down. And I'm just just like, and the, the funny thing is on the way to the memorial service, I was talking about how my dad was an EMT. And so how I, like, this is on the way. I'm like, yeah, my dad was an EMT. So like. I, you know, I used to be in things where he would he would bandage up my leg as demonstrations and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah. but I really only have experience being the victim. Like, I don't know how to how to like actually help someone. And then yeah. of course we get in the moment. I'm like, oh no! So I just sat down <laughs> next to him and pretended like my leg was broken.
1: <laughs> Dude, you've got you must have some like um, shock. Like, what do you call it? A PTSD about being in church because it's like an ex- <laughs> it's like an extreme sporty. Church is
0: like uh, an extreme sport. Anything could happen. Oh, so 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 many things. Well, anyway, all that. So tell to... me,
1: who are we going to see today? <laughs>
0: uh, are we just see? Oh man, I am. I'm really excited. We have we have Michael Farren, um, who uh, just actually came out with his own album. Michael Farron is a is an incredible writer. We've had him on the podcast before, and uh, he just kind of snuck in a, a record that he made under his own name, which he never does. Like he he was in a band called Pocket Full of Rocks a number of years ago. Feels like a lot of years ago, um, yeah. And then has been r- just writing for a ton of people. Like if you go on Spotify, there's a "This Is Michael Farren" list, and it's just a ton of songs that you probably know uh, that are just that he's written, but he's you know hasn't performed on. And uh, he came out with a a record called "Fighting for Us," which is, man, it's incredible. Like I, I'm always on the we you know we we do all this stuff we we see all the stuff that comes across. And you know you're always you always kind of know what it's gonna be like. You're like, oh, this is a good song. I can use this song, or, or oh, this isn't really for us, or whatever. But th- a lot of worship music, it has kind of a a certain sound to it, right? Mm-hmm. And um and Michael just came out with this record that it is it's just it's it feels so singable, but yet wow. it, like like it made me want to quit writing songs actually like he, he he comes out with something and like instead of it being inspiring it was just like I should just stop writing songs because I clearly don't know how to do it like it's just amazing um, yeah he's a phenomenon yeah so anyway and, and the thing that's awesome is he's got just an incredible pastor's heart as well and so uh, he just brings so much gold and so much wisdom and uh, he's the kind of voice that we love having on the podcast and uh and and being a part of us kind of like we were talking about last week about how we or a couple weeks ago about how we have a certain kind of voice that we want to share and michael's is like that voice times 10 it's it's phenomenal so yeah
1: incredible man well i can't wait to hear it
0: yeah and then uh we'll come back real quick afterwards and uh and away we go ladies and gentlemen michael Farron. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the podcast, man. Hello, my friend. Glad to be with you. Well, I have to I have to tell you, I, I initially – I had all these ideas of what I wanted to talk about. And then somebody sent me a text and was like, have you heard Michael Farron's new record that just came out? And I'm like, <laughs> no. I mean, I just hung out with him like two weeks ago. I would have thought he would have talked about it, but he didn't say <laughs> a word. And so I got to go back and listen to it, and it's – Mind blown, man. Ta- ta- tell me about this. This is your first record under your name. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. Uh yeah, it's funny you say I didn't even talk about it because it's so still strange to me. Like I don't even think like to talk about it. It's like, it's like it's not my normal routine as a uh for lack of a better word, as an artist all of a sudden. I, I'm not an artist, I'm just a worship pastor who happens to have an album. And it's weird for me to think about to talk about it, but I'm I really am excited about it. I I've said this probably a, uh, a dozen times. It seems like in the last few weeks on interviews or whatever. I never thought I would do another record like with my name attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came off the road with pocket full of rocks eight years ago. I thought, okay, that's cool. I'm going to be a songwriter producer. And this this album just has been the most beautiful culmination of a pretty wild journey of the last few years. It's like it's like the the stories being written uh, have demanded that they be collected. I guess would be. The best way to put it, it's like we didn't decide, hey, let's let's find some songs to do an album. It's like the songs demanded mm-hmm. that they be put in a, you know, a collection that uh, just, and if, you know, if people knew more of the stories of the songs. It really does weave a, weave a bit of a tapestry of my church and my own journey in my church and personal life through the last two years. And it kind of forced us into this like, all right, we're going to we're going to pull together a collection of songs. And so I am really proud of it. I'm really, really grateful and proud of it. It's just still so surreal. Like to even be talking about it right this moment is real, is surreal. So,
0: well, you should be proud of it. I, uh, you know, we, we I've known you for for a bit now, and and um, known you as a like, great writer and producer. And so, getting this record that comes across the wire, and I'm just like, man, just every song is just a butt kicker. Like there, <laughs> and uh, and as as I was telling you earlier, it really feels like I can grab almost every song on this record and go do it at my church. Did you aim? to make it that way? Like, did you, did, were you looking at it going, man, con- I mean, not all the songs, but like a lot of them are like, man, a congregation can just grab it. Was that what was coming out of your church? Did you intentionally make it congregational? Is that just what was in your soul? Like what, where'd that come from?
2: When it comes to worship music, like congregational is always in my soul, as you would say. I, I don't know. and I mean, what's the point of congregational worship songs that the congregation can't sing them well. So uh, it's, it's a collection of songs that my church has either been singing for a bit in the last couple of years um, and some songs that I know and feel very deeply at the song that the church needs and can sing and will sing. There's a couple of, there's, there's three songs on there out of the 11 that I would classify as more just, uh, they're more um, like the last song on the album is called Love to Known. And my heart and vision in that was just, it felt like the song that I would send people out at the end of a Sunday morning service out with, it's almost like a blessing of leaving, just go out knowing you're loved and known. So it felt like a benediction. So, you know, not your big corporate congregational sing along per se, but there was all of it being intentional is my point. And there's a song on there called where's God. That is just more of this, uh, just more of this anthem of, you know, in our world today with as much brokenness and crazy, there's a lot of people who, as the lyric says, ask through gritted teeth, where's God and all of this. And, and the song just simply says, Look around. He's he's you and me. He's like you ask me where God is, he's moving through his people. And so so there's a few songs on there that just make real statements, I guess, or but overall they're meant to be sung loudly by, by a congregation. And so that is in my DNA a bit as a worship pastor. If I'm sitting down to write church music, I sure hope everybody can sing it. So it means a lot that you would say you can use them. So I'm thankful for that.
0: Well, it's cool. I wanted to ask you about that Where is God song? Because that was one of the first ones. Just seeing the title I gravitated towards. I didn't I like to sit down and listen to an album straight through, but when I've only got a few minutes, I'm like, well, let me check out this one because it's it just even the title resonated. Um and it almost feels like uh, almost like something you could see somebody singing on Broadway or something. The the something about the melodic the way it's put together, did you did you intentionally do that, or is that just kind of where it where it came from? It's it's almost like theatrical.
2: Well, um, so little known fact about Michael Farron, and I'm, I think this might be the first time publicly I've actually ever admitted to this. <laughs> I am a absolute huge uh, Broadway guy. I love my. I uh, my wife and my grown daughters, they love Broadway. So I've been and drug-, drug to New York for my fair share of Broadway musicals in the last number of years. However, I, I've always had a love for big melodies and big, you know, the drama melodies and chord changes and that kind of thing. That's not super congregational. So when I, when I can get away with a song that, uh, allows those ponies to run, that's a happy, happy spot for me. Uh, I do lean, if I'm not writing straight congregational or writing on point for an artist or something, my natural tendencies definitely are, if I'm picking up an acoustic guitar, I'm going to lean very much into a um, uh, very Americana or soulful acoustic, you know, blue-eyed soul. If I am um, lean, if I sat on the piano, I'm going to lean Randy Newman every single time. Bruce Hornsby, <laughs> Bruce a song, but a lot of Randy Newman. And uh, so that's probably what you're hearing in that more than anything is probably... Randy Newman-ish, uh but yeah, my, the Broadway thing also because of my wife and my daughters has become a thing. So
0: well it's 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 really cool. I love it. The intro is so unique, which is something you rarely say about a worship song ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's uh it's like, man, it's just it's so it's so ear-grabbing. And the and the writing on it's just phenomenal. You just thank it's, you. It's uh I th- man, I think it's really important for us to be able to have those songs.
2: Well, I I hope so, and I, I I really, actually, actually, just this last Sunday, uh, I I was in uh, North Carolina at a church on a Sunday morning leading service, and uh, man, they just got nailed with this hurricane, and it never dawned on me till Saturday night when I was doing a sound check, and I looked over and there's a grand piano, and it was just my wife and I leading with just an acoustic, larger church, and uh, I thought, you know what, I need to end the service with "Where is God." Like in Sunday morning at a grand piano with Where's God? And without me saying anything, the worship pastor ran and got her tech team, and they began to pull pictures of the devastation. And then they started pulling pictures of their church the day before. The reason I was there is because it was an all day r- relief effort thing. And they begin to put in the pictures of uh, their church activated in their community that's still devastated. And, bro, I like that I made it through the song. So like that that song finally that it did exactly what I had in my heart, you know, it encapsulated that moment in a way I hoped it would, but it came really quickly, like just this last Sunday, and I liked an automated through the song setting at the piano. It was a stunning moment to go, Oh yeah, and there's the pictures to prove there's God. (laughs) (laughs) I might have been a little emotional. So unreal well
0: okay so how is it different for you I mean you write you know you were saying like oh when I write at the guitar I write this way when I write for my congregations this way like how is it different because you write with a lot of artists I mean if you go on Spotify there's a there's actually a playlist called like, this is Michael Farron and it's like a ton of other artists that I'm assuming that you've written with right yeah um how is it different writing for somebody else versus writing for your church and from you know your more personal place
2: I, I think you just said it it's you know when i'm when i sit down and i know i need to um, as a pastor if my church is, is you know in the middle of a chapter in their journey where i need an anthem for that then i'm asking what do they need what do they need to be seen? Mm-hmm. if i'm sitting by myself i'm asking what do i want to be seeing and if i'm if i'm sitting with an artist it's just the obvious questions it's Hey, how can I help you today? Like what you know, my job in part, it may not even always feel warm and fuzzy a lot of days, but my job in part is to to serve artists well. You know, it's like that is part of my day job. It's like my publisher sends over You name an artist, they probably walk in my office at some point, and I pour them a good cup of coffee and I say, Hey, so what's missing on your record? You know, because they're never really writing unless they're about to make a record. Hmm. And so there's a demand, there is uh, an eagerness and an anticipation. And usually you've got a pretty good grid. All right, we got too many ballads, so we need an up song. And those are usually the days I'm like grumpy because I only want to write ballads, but (laughs) all of a sudden I'm writing because I've got to serve them well. You know, it's like, All right, I've got to. I got to write an up song. So let's, let's try to make an up song feel warm and fuzzy. And, uh, and then I mean, it's exactly as you laid out. It's just a different question with whoever sets in front of me. If it's the church in front of me, it's what do they need? If it's an artist in front of me, it's what do they need? If it's me by myself? Well, it's whatever mood I'm in on a given day. <laughs> so, uh, but I love it. I really do love chasing all of it.
0: So I'm going to rabbit shell just for a second. Cause you mentioned writing like an up song. Okay, we need those on occasion, and they're so. It's so hard to find. It's so hard to do. It's so hard to find like that really good kind of like upbeat song that's not just a throwaway to get you to the ballads. Um, how do you? So how do you? How do you dig into that? Like how do you go? If if that's not what you're into, if that's not what you're what you're feeling, how do you then turn that into something that can be that is that is useful and and can connect with people?
2: I think that's a great question, and honestly, I think it's one of the—I don't think I've ever been asked it quite that way. But at least if I dissect it now, somebody's asking me to write something I don't necessarily feel on a day. Well, then you obviously have to trust your instincts as a writer—the craft that you've developed—to go even on the days that this may not be as warm and fuzzy for me. I know that what I've just helped craft is right. You know, there's there's that's when all the fundamental parameters of songwriting come into play, you know, like there is a craft in it. There is a, there are some, you know, the, the old adage, you need to know the rules so you can break them. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are some rules. There are some things that can help us craft things that people can follow along with. So just take the up song for, for example, it's like, it's really, really hard to get 130 BPMs, four in the floor opener song on either an artist album or you're welcome at church to feel like it's got just like punch you in the face, emotional, You know, weight or content, but it is possible. And so, you know, it's like you you learn to buckle down and be a good steward of the moment. And so you trust your instincts. You learn to read the person in the room who really happens to be really motivated by what you're trying to craft. And you lean into them a lot. I know when I'm generally winning with someone across the table from me, because I ask a lot, are we doing okay? Are you feeling this? And I ask all the time, hey, would you lead this? Like, I'll get, we might get a version of course in, and I'm still going, all right, are you sure? Are you, are you sure this is what well, you could lead this Sunday? And the instant I smell that they're like, eh, I'm adjusting. I'm like, okay, hang on, back up, because I'm definitely not gonna waste my time now in, in a 440 in a 130 BPM, four in the floor thing. That you're not feeling. So I ask a lot of questions. I trust my instincts, even when I don't feel warm and fuzzy, and generally, uh, at the end of it, even if it was like a bit of a mm, let's do this at front, at the end of it, I can usually high five whoever's in the room and go, OK, that's cool. That's good. That's great. I might not lead it, but I really know that will serve you well. And that's good. We crafted it well. We did it with right heart, with right reason. We had a real kingdom reason to write that song. It's needful. So the stewardship, I'm a steward of the moment. And stewardship a lot of times doesn't have have much to do with how we feel or warm and fuzzy or. Anything like that? It's stewardship, knowing your craft, trusting the people in the room. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, you are you are quite the steward of your of, of, of what you have as far as being a writer. Um, you obviously have a ton of experience. Um, I mean, we, we, when I saw you when I saw you out there, it was basically like, well, I got this writing session, then I'm going to this writing session, then I got this writing session, and then I got this writing session tomorrow morning. Like, I mean, you you have so much experience in it, but you've taken that and you're and you're trying to share that. Can you tell me a little bit about, about kingdom songs, kind of what you're doing with that?
2: Man, I'd love to, I man, I, kingdom songs is no exaggeration. It is the single most, uh, fulfilling thing I do in a year. Um, I do love songs. I do love the church. And when you start piling up all that together, it kind of makes sense. So I was like, Hey, let's just have a party for three days with a bunch of worship pastors who want to write songs for their churches. So it just made a lot of sense for me. Uh, so kingdom songs, uh, has been around for a few years, but, but basically it is a, a bit of an exclusive, um, event that we host here in Franklin, Tennessee. We, we bring in 40, uh, worship pastors, uh, uh, this last one it was just last week uh, as a matter of fact uh, we had 40 and we cap it at 40 because it's hard to accommodate more more writers than that when I'm bringing in a lot of very uh, amazing hearted professional writers to pair with them there's not many of those so we have to limit the size mm-hmm. uh, but this last week we had 40 worship pastors uh, for the first time ever we were evenly split male and female which made me really really excited it's usually like you know 30 dudes and 10 10 poor women out there, you know, feeling, feeling huddled in the corner. And this one, we had 40 people, half women, half men from 22 States, uh, from college students to dudes and ladies who had been leading worship in a church for 25 years. And they all converged. Uh, they ended up spending 12 to 15 hours a day for three days, uh, Setting through some of the most amazing teaching on why we should be writing songs for our church, the spiritual application of it, the pastoral responsibility of it, the power of it, of how no one has more authority than a worship pastor in a church to write a song for that church than them, to then set in the most high level, you know, Belmont grade college songwriting course that, you know, it's like, it's a legitimate Belmont professor sitting there teaching us how to write and craft great songs. And then you turn them all loose to start writing together. Like collaboration is the premium in that moment. So basically you've got almost three full days of intense teaching, stunning collaboration. Uh we call it a boot camp because it really is from eight in the morning to eleven o'clock at night. We literally eat on site except for one of those nights where we give them a break. And um it's it's and again one of the most uh, one of the most uh, fulfilling things I'm a part of because here's what I know what happened last week forty people converged they wrote no exaggeration uh, those forty people paired among themselves and with some pro writers all day on Thursday they wrote almost sixty songs in two and a half days and I know by my own numbers half of those songs will be in speech will be carried back and sung in local church, churches inside of the next 6 to 8 weeks that is a big deal to me to say that we were able to help these pastors finally voice what uh, their church needs, and to do it at a level that they can walk in with confidence and go, "This is a well-crafted song. I can do this, and this is going to become my weapon. I'm going to annihilate uh, those those strongholds and those lies and the pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ in my congrega- congregation. That's a big deal to me. You know, we've handed them weapons with these songs. They get to go back, stand on the stage, and I say it all the time: sling a sword over their people on a Sunday, and that's just. That's the most fulfilling thing I do. We're doing four of them next year. I'm just my team is like, what? And not there's <laughs> one going, let's do more. So we're doing four of them next year. And uh I would do I literally would do one every month if we could figure out a way to facilitate it. But
0: yeah, that's as you can
2: tell, I'm a little passionate about it.
0: That's that's awesome. So tell me, okay, so one of the things I love that you talked about there, and we we've talked about it a little bit in the just you know, off camera or off uh, microphone before too, is is just like your passion for Helping people write for their church, you know, a lot of things when they go like learn how to write songs, there often is kind of this underlying undercurrent of I want to write songs so that maybe I can get a publishing deal. But you have such a drive to help people write songs specifically for their church. Tell me about that.
2: Uh, great question, and uh, one of the reasons and the biggest drivers in this for me is is that I do believe um, people serving in churches in capacity of worship pastor. Uh, whether that's on a you know, a worship pastor or just someone highly involved in a team, that that's not primarily a musical role, it is primarily a pastoral role. And by context of what we get called into, in that we are pastors who happen to be musical. Make sense, yeah? Sadly, and I will, I will, uh, I will, um, uh, try not to get too preachy about this, uh, <laughs> but the, the uh. The last decade or so, I fear that we have watched the culture shift and that we have started becoming accustomed to sticking uh, musicians at microphones on our stages in our churches in charge of our people, and we have suffered for it. What it was all that space was always meant to be for pastors and pastors who happen to be excellent musically because. That's one of the reasons for a musical pastor. That's one of his resources. So when I say I want to help you write songs for your church, I really do understand that nobody I can't march into your church and hold more authority in that house than the person that God's called to serve there. And lay down his life there, right? I'm going to march in for a weekend, maybe write a song or sing a song, lead a song, and then I'm going to leave. But God's called you to lay down your life for the sheep in that moment. And he's given you tremendous authority to do that. And if I can help equip you to write the songs that they need to be singing for whatever the part of the kingdom journey your church is in, that changes everything. And so we've got a lot of guys here just stuck thinking it's a musical job. No, it's a pastoral job. And you get to use your musical abilities as the resource in that. It's it's you know, you're using your musical gift as again as a sword. I love um, one of my favorite verses for worship pastors is 2 Corinthians 10's 2nd Corinthians 10, and it wouldn't necessarily be tethered to worship leading or songwriting, but I love what this does when you put it in songwriting context. What if worship pastors approached songwriting and leading worship with this verse as their mantra instead? 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What if you thought that's what songwriting could do for you? You do it every week. If you walked out on stage and you knew you had just crafted a song that you knew as soon as you started singing it, it was going to resonate with your people and it was going to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations and bring captivity to the lies that whispering in our congregation's ears. So any given Sunday, somebody's going to walk into my context, as, as into my congregation, and they're going to sit there. They didn't want to come to church that day. They had a fight with their wife getting there. They are miserable, and the w- enemy is whispering lies in their ears about, it's not going to work. Why are you even here? And I start singing the truth over them, and it starts breaking that mess off. That's what we get to do every Sunday and if, if worship pastors in general would kind of grab a hold of the power of what they've been handed even and that's where confines become laughable for me it's like i get a lot a lot of a lot of worship pastors i sit and have coffee with you know their main complaint is you know our pastor just doesn't give us a lot of leeway we don't have a lot of time you know it's very very structured and we've got 13 minutes and we can't go a second over and I'm going Thirteen minutes is a long time to to cause a lot of chaos in the camp of the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Give me three and a half minutes. uh, Give me three and a half minutes with melody, lyric, and the the gospel truth, and I will make hell wish it had not showed up that day. So you know that's that's the way I'm really passionate about that. And so I love writing songs. I love being able to pay my bills some months with some songs. I really do. But in some in some ways, I think I'm working myself out of a job, and I couldn't think of a a more glorious thing to do. Than to train worship pastors how to how to wield a, a, a song that does everything Second Corinthians lays out because what it does so um, I love writing songs I'll do it till the day I die I pray but having other people I don't know that I've ever said this publicly I think at the end of the day I may I may you know I've written a lot of songs in my time but I, I and I th- I may end my writing career having written I've already written thousands of songs. Most of them not good and never will be heard, but I've written thousands of songs. But I think the bigger thing to me that I think about as a real crown I can lay at the feet of Jesus, because it says we're going to throw our crowns at his feet, I think the bigger crown I think I will lay down someday is that I got to help hundreds, maybe thousands of worship pastors, then multiply thousands of songs that brought the truth of the gospel into a moment that transformed a life. I'll do that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do everything I can to be a part of that.
0: Well, that's a that's a beautiful thing, and it's it's what you know. I, when I came back from Nashville, I sat down and i it t- I took about two days, and I just wrote thoughts on my computer, and I, you know, I eventually you know narrowed it down and turned it into this uh, this blog post. I was called I called it. Are you in the right place? And it was just because there's so many voices. There's so many. Uh, People telling us, "Hey, you need to buy this to be a good worshiper. You need to accomplish this. This is, your song needs to be this way. Your, you know, your your band needs to be this way. You need to have these visuals. You need to have these lights. You need to have this, and all this, all these voices that don't make us better. They 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 distract us from what you're saying, which is the job that we are." That are that we're meant to do. It's like we're like fighting for our congregation. We're giving them words to say to Jesus. We are pastoring them, and I, if I just sometimes I wish I could just put that on repeat on this podcast and be like, if that's all you hear from us, like that's all you hear. Just <laughs> be, be be a pastor. And man, what a gift to be able to write for that, and be able to write like for your people. Man, what a gift. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you just just from a from a practical standpoint of somebody who who is a worship uh, worship pastor or has maybe always looked at it as a musical job, you know how do they how do you start kind of making that transition into for example like writing like what should I expect if I haven't been a songwriter or I haven't written specifically for my church you know as I start kind of walking down that road, what should I be expecting to run into like what kind of things do you tell people, okay, I want to start doing this? What do you What do you tell them?
2: That's a great question. Um, I don't know. if I have an order in you know order right for it, but I will. I can throw out a few things. I, I'll be blunt enough to say, songwriting is not for everybody. There are amazing worship pastors who don't don't possess this you know in, intuition or propensity for crafting a song, and that's totally okay. The only point I'm ever making in this is if you have a propensity. For creating songs, writing songs, a a drive to do it, and and then an ability to do it in in a way that your people can actually engage, then you have then you know you fell into the responsibility of it. What you're going to immediately fall into is all of the insecurities that uh, hit every creative of this is never going to be good enough, and so there's that immediate wrestle of you know okay you've wrestled down I have maybe there's an inkling in me that I can do this or I've proven I can write some songs, but I've never done it for my church. Can I, well, the first thing that's going to assault you is one, the voice of the flesh that says, there's no way you're going to do this, that you're not good enough for this, all the insecurities that we all wrestle with as creatives. Uh, quite frankly, I don't bl- I'm not the guy who believes there's a, you know, a devil hiding behind every tree, but it stands to reason if you've got somebody who has all of a sudden stood up and went, you know what? I want to use this gift or this, this, potential gift in me of songwriting, I'm going to, I want to start using this and activate something in in my hands that will wreak havoc in the kingdom of darkness. Well, then you can just bet that the enemy's going to throw everything he can at that. So you can set, you know, you can pretty well plant your feet and get ready that you're going to be assaulted at every side, uh, you know, uh, from a spiritual side. And I don't think I'm making too much of that. I mean, I've watched it happen in my own life. I mean, the enemy would love to silence the truth tellers. He always has. He's wanted to silence the truth tellers and songwriters are the best truth tellers. Songwriters are the ones who have in their power, the, you know, in their possession, the power to to craft something that people take with them to their grave. They don't forget melody and lyric. That's truth telling at its highest level. So the enemy hates that. So you are going to wrestle down your own insecurity. You're going to have to wrestle down an enemy that would love to keep you silent. And then you're going to have to take some real active steps into growing in that craft. You're not going to sit by yourself in your study, writing, if you you would write three hours, four hours a day and you'll move the needle a little bit, but I'm telling you, based on 30 years of experience and surrounding myself with a ton of other brilliant writers, you will not get better in your craft very fast. If you don't find the tribe of people that do that with you and the most growth I've ever had as a songwriter has been in collaboration, setting down with other people, men and women, who who I can sit and wrestle this stuff down with. Collaboration is key. So you're going to have to take active steps to to figure out the fundamentals of songwriting. A lot of that can be done by yourself, but the biggest needle mover is collaboration and finding a tribe of people who can encourage you in it. And that takes some active hunting down. And uh, if I hear any... Any question at Kingdom songs, even in other things I teach at, it's the question of, well, how do I go find? I, 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 can't, I don't can't find anybody to write with. I can't, I can't find any. How do we find people to write with? And and it happened again just this last week. Uh, I always laugh because like I'm all alone in South Idaho. Nobody does what I do. I'm all alone out here, and and I'm like. No, dig around, you'll find somebody three blocks away. And it happened this last week at Kingdom Songs. A dude walked up to me and goes, man, it's hilarious. I just walked in, milling around, 40 people, and there's a dude here from Florida in my zip code. Like, in my zip code. And we just met each other here, and we're coming up here because we're lonely songwriters, basically. And so it does take some active steps to start you know, developing the gift in you and surrounding yourself with a tribe who can encourage you in it. Yeah, that was that was actually
0: one of my one of my takeaways. I got to sit and you know just watch some people write while I was there, and it's just it's mind blowing how much faster it happens, and how many things <laughs> you how many things you pick up because you just go, oh, well that's not you know you you can kind of if you're writing on your own like I write on my own a lot, and I'm forcing myself to not do that as much, um, but it's it, it's amazing how much quicker things happen when you have somebody else bouncing and you're bouncing ideas back and forth and it's no longer just what i've been living with in my in my brain for the last four months you know you can like i just i mean i watched you knock out one of the best songs i've ever heard in like an hour
2: <laughs> it was- but you were but you were sitting on the stool and you are the one who brought the idea and you are the one who says i think i need this
0: but the but the thing that's funny is is like i my brain does not work that fast
2: <laughs> i don't <laughs> I, I hear you say that, but I'm, I'm challenging you on your own podcast. I don't, if the, I think when you go back and you listen to that again, you're going to be amazed at how much quicker you were actually moving. You were moving. With and then we got Benji Cower. He's brilliant sitting there, just editing in like warp speed and like throwing stuff out at warp speed. And I think if you go back and watch it, bro, you were moving quick in the room. Like, you, you were, and no, you wouldn't have moved that quick by yourself, but the instant you sat down with two of, two of us, you immediately engaged it in a much quicker, more in like in focused, in tune focused way. So it just works. Collaboration is key. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. In fact, I came back from that
0: and Ron and I'd like sat down uh, a friend, Ron Pai, He's actually been on the podcast before, he just kind of came along to help out and hang out. And he got to end up doing some writing sessions and stuff. And man, we just like, like, all right, let's get together. Let's get it going. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's just the camaraderie that happens. And the, uh, I don't know, man. You get, you get a heart for your friend's church, which is amazing. You know, just like from a community perspective, and I don't know, it's it's a uh, it's it's incredible.
2: We did we did this video series that we're beta testing right now. Seven churches have been through it, and it's basically kingdom songs, on in this condensed version where we were the videos are talking about what we just said. It's about collaboration. It's about community, and the feedback that we got from all seven churches was. It was expected, but not, not expected as far as like them wording it. But literally uh, one of the most beautiful notes we've ever got back was we went through this kingdom song stuff. We sat down with our teams. We began to press hard into what our church needed and we fell in love with our church again. Yeah, oh, that's good. Because if you're going to write, if you're going to really write songs for your church, then you really have to look at them. And when you look at them, you remember who they are. And when you remember who they are, you fall in love with them again. So, it, it had just setting down going, we're going to write songs for our church has this effect of making us all of a sudden flip a switch back to the things that matter most. So, for all of the minutiae and the politics of church, and church can be messy and church politics and all that stuff, boy, it's refreshing to sit down and go, okay, just going to write a song that matters today. And that stuff brings us back to bullseye for while we're actually there. So, yeah, it's everything.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, wrote, I actually wrote a song this week for my church, and I was like, I have to finish it because this family needs this song right now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting in my like sitting, around, I'm bouncing off some people, and I'm just like, I'm in tears. Yeah. Like, because like I'm praying this for this person, right? And then to be able to then turn around and have something that say like, okay, here are some words for you. Here are my words for you. Like it's there is, I don't know what gift is better than that. It's a it's it's pretty dang amazing. <laughs> So, well, Michael, uh, you know, when I talk about voices and people who, uh, I want to speak into specifically, specifically our worship artistry community, you know, uh, I came back from that trip thinking about, man, what are the voices I want? I want in everyone's ears. What are the voices I want on our, our site? And, and as part of our community and man, you are, you're at the top of the list. You, you have such a heart for what's going on. I want to hear so much more from you. And, um, where where can people uh, get involved in Kingdom Songs? Where can they jump in on that?
2: Well, they can just go straight to kingdomsongs.org. And uh, there's tons of information. The tabs are on there. Uh, the contact on there uh, is this amazing head of our team, named Erica Boutwell. And she is always on the ball. So if people have questions, they can reach out to her directly. She's super quick and awesome. Uh, but, man, I'm, I'm honored to get to uh, – kind of have this conversation with you I'll, I'll do it as much as you want uh you know what i'm passionate about now so <laughs> let's get to it man well hey i got one more question for you before you go
0: uh, Shoot. tell me about the wolf
2: ah you know what the wolf uh that is a long story for a long podcast that could be fun <laughs> another day the brief version of it is it actually has to do with kingdom songs and uh so three years this is gonna freak some people out. I don't know if you want me to tell you this story. So a few years ago, this lady <laughs> prayed this lady prayed for me for three months. And uh she told me later, she said I prayed for you for three months, and every time I prayed for you, I would see wolves like in her like in her heart. She would see wolves. She said first it freaked me out. But then I couldn't I couldn't get like she said it didn't feel like a bad thing. It felt like a calm, it was like a good thing. She said, I prayed for you for three months. And I didn't know this lady. I'd met her one time before, a year before that. And uh, this lady prayed for me for three months, just felt like God could compel her to pray for me and the Kingdom Songs event. She came to the Kingdom Songs event. She's not a worship leader or a songwriter. She's a missionary. And she just felt like the Lord said, pray for three months and then go to that conference. Well, she walked into that conference and it was the first month I had bought a stupid hat that had a wolf on the front of it. And it was hilarious. <laughs> like I'd never wear a hat with a wolf on it. And I'm wearing a hat with a wolf on it. She walks in. She freaks out. Cause she's been praying for me for three months and then she walks in I'm the first person she sees i saw i look i'm going go oh my hi good to see you what are you doing here and i have a wolf on my hat and it freaks her out for the next two and a half days of kingdom songs and at the end of the conference she pulls me aside and she goes okay don't let this freak you out she said but i've been praying for you for three months and every time i pray for you i've seen wolves and it wasn't a bad thing but i couldn't figure it out i walk in you have a wolf on your hat and as soon as i met you I went back outside and I sat in a chair and I said, all right, Jesus, you're going to explain this wolf thing to me right now. (laughs) And she said really loudly, I felt like I heard the Lord say, I want you to open up Google, basically, and read why wolves howl. And she said, uh, I opened up, you know, search engine and I typed in why do wolves howl. And she said, I learned a lot about wolves sitting out in that chair as this conference started, she said, there's a lot of, of misnomers about wolves and a lot of things that are not true. She goes, one, I realized there's no such thing as a lone wolf ever. They're a family and pack." She said, I also learned that wolves never howl at the moon ever. It's not a thing. It's, she said, wolves basically howl for, for a lot of reasons. But the main two reasons that wolves howl is to protect the territory that is theirs and to call all the other wolves who may have got lost in the day to come back to the territory. And she said, I've been watching you howl for two and a half days. She said, you're standing there protecting this this territory of what it means to be a pastor. And then you're calling all these other guys back into it because we've lost our way a little bit. And it wrecked me. And so it became like this very family tribe thing for me in a a very real kind of way. And so uh, a few months later, I was in Dallas on a Wednesday night or something like that. I was producing an album for a church there and I decided I'm getting the wolf tattoo tonight. (laughs) <laughs> and I went to the shop, and I kid you not, kid you not, I sat down in a chair at a place I'd never been with a dude I'd never met, and he's like, a wolf, huh? And I went, yeah. He goes, cool, I got a wolf too. And he lifts up his hair. He has a wolf head on his head. <laughs> the girl in the back has a wolf on on her side and in the next three hours jesus showed up and wrecked both of those people in that tattoo shop <laughs> over, over a stupid wolf so uh there's a lot to more to it than that but that the general thing is the wolf is really about gathering family gathering tribe uh fighting for each other kind of a thing so it's, it's just a bit of a theme that means a lot to me that i have to explain now it seems like a lot so <laughs> Well, I love it. And you it. just got the longest version of it. I think I've told, and you may edit this out later. I don't know. So no way, man. Uh, that's where the that's where the wolf thing comes from. So the wolf tattoo, the wolf on the cover, all that stuff. It it really does have significant meaning. I do believe with everything in me that God is gathering men and women for a very specific, powerful place as pastors, slinging the best melody and, and lyric we've ever heard in the history of the church in, in a time like this. So that's, that's what I believe. Well, Michael, the album is
0: Fighting For Us by Michael Farron. It is incredible. Uh, I heard you do an acoustic version of the song, Oh, Praise the Only One, and I wanted to quit songwriting after listening to it. <laughs> I was just like, I give up. I'm, uh, I'm terrible at this. So uh, that, I, 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 that happens to me, but then I bounce back, and I'm like, no, I'm going to get better. <laughs> you know? It takes a while, but, but there's that initial like, oh, dang it. Okay. Uh, All right, got, but the bar is raised week. again. Here we it happens go. Happens to
2: me every week, trust
0: me. <laughs> Well, what's the what's the best song you've ever written, Michael? Where? What's your favorite song?
2: The next one. It's, there it is. All right, the man.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We will uh, we will have you back for sure. I can't wait. Uh,
1: thank
2: you, thank you, thank you, brother.
1: Man, what an incredible voice Michael Farron has. His record sounds spectacular, and I I get this uh, the joy of actually hearing on most days when I'm in the studio because his office is directly below me. Um, you know, when I'm trying to teach a video, it's not as amazing as when I'm just listening because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a one powerful voice. He's like a lion. Uh, but he could literally sing anything and I'm like, I buy it. It's amazing. I want it. <laughs> You can sing "Mary Had a Little Lamb" and I'll, I'll go buy the record. What a great voice! But on top of that, obviously, an incredible songwriter, Jason.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, he is—he is amazing. We're—we are very fortunate to, uh, to kind of have him in the worship artistry fold, and we're kind of working on some really cool things that uh, you're gonna—you're gonna see a lot more of Michael Farron, I hope so. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be cool. Well, hey, uh, Daniel, it is time for member mail. However, I don't have any member mail again, guys. I need somebody to throw me some member mail. So, in lieu of member mail. I'm going, maybe we've already answered everyone's questions. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I know there are people listening. I actually, because I can see the numbers and I've been kind of blown away by how many people are listening to our little podcast. It's awesome. But anyway, um, in, lieu of, in lieu of uh, having no member mail, um, I, I just, you know, I shared this crazy story in the beginning about what happened at this memorial service. But I'm going to share uh, one other story um, about Dwayne Atkins. This is, he, he just passed away. And um, because I just think this is the most amazing thing. So my, my pastor has been telling us, you know, it's, it's, it was his father. And, uh, and essentially every time he said, he said, he said, said, my, my mother and father barely ever removed their wedding rings ever. And, um, and he said, but every time they did, they had a rule that their spouse would have, have to put it back on their finger.
1: Oh my gosh. That's awesome.
0: And, and, uh, and so, and it was like a recommitment of their vows every time they took their wedding ring off that they would have to that the other one would have to put it on on their finger. And they had such an amazing relationship. And I just like, I'm like, that is such a beautiful picture of a couple that was married for over 60 years.
1: Jeez, man, that's so, incredible. Uh,
0: so may may your marriages, may your relationships be that amazing. And may people say awesome things like that about you. Dwayne was an amazing guy. And uh, it, was, it was an honor to be at his memorial. You know what else would be an honor? Would be for you to send us a member mail so we can play the music <laughs> and have Daniel totally mess up. Uh, actually starting the music it's no fun to not have it it's really my favorite part the questions are great but I like the music um, if you would like to uh, to hear Michael's album you can go check that out it's called Fighting For Us you can find it on Spotify you can Apple Music kind of anywhere you find anywhere you find music um, and, uh, and if you would like to learn some of those songs we'll be doing those in the next couple weeks um, because I just love them And uh, you can do that at worshipartistry.com where you can sign up for a free account and learn songs uh, the way that they are created on the album, but learn it for a five piece as well as some solo acoustic arrangements and that sort of thing. And like I said, you can try it for free and uh, we think you'll want to stick around and learn the other 500 songs we have on there.
1: Daniel. Very cool.
0: May you you have a safe return from Brazil. When are you you
1: back? So I actually go to Chile tomorrow um, and then go to Argentina after that. And then I go to Puerto Rico, and then I come home. Well, uh, in like nine days, so in eight days, yeah. So it's gonna be full-on travel, but uh, well, it's good times. I'm very much looking forward to your return, and uh, me too. And then it's uh,
0: when you're back we can do some Michael Ferran songs, and it'll be sweet. Yeah, perfect. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you next time.
1: See ya. Bye.